0: This is The Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 178, recorded on August 7th, 2014. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech tech gadgets that find their way into their home, into your home, news reviews, product updates, and conversation all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the Average averageguy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska. And post the show with world class show notes and a lot of show notes this week. We'll have a lot of things out there for you, so make sure you head out and grab those. Out at the averageguy.tv if you have co- uh, questions, comments, or contributions you know a uh, trick guys don't drink a full beer before you start the show because then the, <laughs> the 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 intro notes don't work out real well if you have uh, questions comments or contributions you can contact the show send me an email jim at the average guy dot TV. and i apologize if you've been listening for a while some of you sent me some emails at jim at the average guy dot TV. and it that thing had gotten all jammed up i'd actually changed my passwords two months ago in response to all the last class heart bleed all that other stuff and I didn't go back into my Outlook.com uh, settings and re-enable my Google accounts in there so it feed on there. So for like two months, not paying attention, I was thinking, well, I guess maybe no one's sending me an email, right? And uh, just last night, I was going in there and, uh, and uh, realized, holy crap, I'm behind. And some of you guys had sent me emails. I apologize for that. Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv is back up and working again. And uh, you can send me notes if you want to, and I will get to those as well. You can track me down on Twitter. We had a little Twitter fight going on before the show. It's just at Jay Collison or now call on those questions. That's the best way to do it 402 478 8450. And we'll play those questions right on the show. We've actually been challenging for some pretty crafty crank calls. So give us a crank call and we'll play that as well. We'd like a little humor in the podcast. So throw it in there. And now Home Gadget Geeks is part of the Geeks Network. You'll find this link to this show and many other great podcasts out at the link the thegeeksnetwork.com. And I just fixed that page so it'll work now. So Dave gave me some logins and head out there. Take a peek at it. Join us in chat, watch or listen live. On YouTube, Spreaker, and Kevin, thank you for listening to Spreaker when you're on the road. 30,000 feet, that's always good. And uh, Mixler, although I didn't turn on Mixler tonight, so I guess that's not going to happen. All the navigation over at TheAverageGuy.tv. All right, couple guys that have been around the community for a long time tonight. I didn't think I was going to get them in here uh, this evening just because things were going crazy on his end. John Zadler, how are you doing tonight?
1: Let me find the unmute. There it is. <laughs>
2: Very I'm moving
1: good. My windows around. I only have a 19-inch monitor here. You know, I bet uh, Kevin's got the two 24 inches there, and you got two monitors, don't you?
0: I do. I got a couple sitting here on the desk. Oh, yeah, you're, you're a studio For guy. For sure. Yeah. You. Well, John, good to have you back. We haven't seen you in a while, but it's always good to talk to you. Welcome back.
1: Yeah, it's always good to be here. And uh, a lot of the guys saying hi in the chat, so I want to say hi to those guys there.
0: So hi, yeah. boys and jo- John- you Hi, Kevin. John Stutzman says, wait, wait, is this a home server show? And it might be with Kevin Schoonover. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? It's good. Dave always gets mad at me when I do this because he knows we're going to talk home server stuff. And he always just says to me, why didn't you just call it the home server show? Well, you guys, uh, both you guys, uh, we've got some other tech stuff. I'm sure John Zadler will weave in some home server stuff, but we were, uh, we've got some other tech stuff to cover tonight. So
2: while it's but what, what is on. this what's this home server you speak of? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not familiar.
0: <laughs> I don't know what that home server. I don't know is. what that is. Yeah. If you're <laughs> if you're listening to my podcast maybe for the first time, uh, I've had some new listeners come over from our Ask the Podcast I Ask the Podcast Coach show Saturday mornings. At uh, at uh, what time do I do that? Nine thirty Central. And if you're new, uh, well, I'm also on the Home Service Show. We Dave and I maybe get one um, every other one a month or two a month. Sometimes they've been they've been waiting a little bit. Home Service Show. Uh, dot com is what we're referring to. And all of us kind of came out of that home server community and still do a lot of that stuff. So we'll get back up and running on the home server show. We've got a big meetup coming up uh, September twentieth. If you haven't gotten to it, about 25 seats left. And so you want to jump on that. They'll fill up here pretty quick. uh, In the next couple of weeks, it is September twentieth, And we're just uh, as we record this, we're just about six or seven weeks away from it. We'll Converge on Indianapolis. Kevin, you got some, you're giving away like a podcasting starter kit, right?
2: Yeah, we got uh, several prizes set up and going for it, but the, uh, got to be there to win, got to, you know, got to have gotta a seat, be present. ready to go, uh, but, uh, we're, uh, having the Jim Collison, uh, starter, uh, podcasting kit, which is a 920C Logitech, a, uh, ATR 2100 mic, and a set of, uh, earbud, uh, head, uh, ear, earbuds, so you're, uh, you're all set that way, and then we're also doing a uh, home server show um, out in the deals. We had a really good section going on good cheap tools, um, you know, tools for working on your computers that don't uh, cost you an arm and a leg. So uh, I put together a batch of that, and then last but not least, uh, we. we um, I know the president of uh, Scoondoggy LLC and I got her to donate a uh, couple of brackets and some parts. So we'll uh, have that put together. So we'll get
0: those home server brackets out there to uh, take your gen eight to the next level and add some, add some hard drives in there as well. So really cool. Hey, thanks for doing that, Kevin. I just (laughs) want to say from a, from a uh, an organization standard, appreciate you uh, you chipping in. We have some. Uh, we'll be bringing some LastPass. Uh, they're going to be throwing in some T shirts and uh, some stickers. So we'll we'll have those as well. Dave's been working on some stuff. So we'll have all kinds. Really, you know, the giveaways. We always try to downplay those, although we talk about them a lot. Really, the best part about the meetup is getting together and uh, just the the relationships that we make when we do that. And it's always good to be there. You'll want to be there. I've been looking at the list, and a lot of the guys that were there last year are coming back. If you haven't been there before, you might want to head out to the meetup. The link for it will be in the show notes. So you can check that out as well. So uh, I want to talk a little bit of an update from last week. We had Derek uh, on from he's a CEO of uh, Mediafire and uh, had a a great interview with them. I appreciate those guys coming on. Uh, This week, I upgraded my um, Mediafire account to one terabyte. Which is crazy—one terabyte for 25 bucks. Still, kind of an amazing deal out there to do that. We want you to try it out, test it out. You know, I'd love to recommend it at this point. I haven't used it long enough to really say, "Yeah, this is going to be great." I'm excited about it, but some good stuff that it's out there. One of the things uh, I am testing, though, is they give you downloadable MP3 and MP4. Any media type links, which is, for a podcaster, super important if you're going to link your RSS feeds to the downloads. And so one of the ways I'm going to test MediaFire is to actually create two new RSS feeds for you. So there'll be a video small and a video large. Many of you, I think John Stutzman being one of them, maybe, I think that was him, uh, had asked me a while back, hey, Jim, could you get a video RSS feed? And I always hesitant because it's super expensive on the bandwidth. And I just felt like, hey, just watch it on YouTube. But this gave me a good excuse. I get 10 terabytes. That's a lot. 10 terabytes of bandwidth on this uh, service per month that resets. That's what we talked about last uh, month as well. And so we're going to be trying out a new RSS feed with it and uh, see if it goes. We'll see if they shut me down after (laughs) it gets popular and everybody downloads it. So uh, watch. Uh, I'm hoping by the weekend and the time I post this, I'll have the RSS feed out for you. But um, I have been trying out MediaFire. Great service. They just It just works. They're simplifying it. I was most interested in the conversation about, though, they're going to try some different things with their apps this fall. And so you might want to follow that as far as consuming that media content. Go back and watch the interview. That's 177. So if you go to theaverageguy.tv slash hgg177, that will get you there and a pretty good interview with Derek. And I appreciate those guys at MediaFire joining us as well. All right. Um, Keith Lunsford sent me in a question. About syncing up with OneDrive, I thought I would play that question into the show, um, so you guys could have a listen.
3: Let me play it, and then uh, Kevin will throw it to you and John back for your opinion. So here's Keith. One thing that Dropbox seems to do really well is to share and synchronize folders, and that's one problem that I've had with SkyDrive and OneDrive is my wife and I both have pretty substantial OneDrive folders. The problem is we can share them with each other, but we can't synchronize to our own machines. So I'm just trying to find out if there's a better way to do that. I've tried a couple aftermarket synchronizing apps. They just don't work very well. Another thing is we just switched to uh, Office 365, four packages between my wife and I and my parents. And I'm just trying to find out if there's a really good way to synchronize shared folders. So they're actually available online or offline on each of our machines. I don't want to have to go online to look at my wife's documents, you know, say we put a postcard together for my son's birthday or something. I just want that to synchronize as Dropbox would have done onto my computer. Just looking for your input, let me know what you think. Looking forward to my second meetup in Indy. I'll see you guys in October, thanks.
0: All right, Keith came out and joined us last year, of course. Kevin, let me throw that over to you, synchronization options outside of what he was talking about.
2: Sure. So um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me, and it's, it's just a comfort factor thing, is a piece of software called Always Sync. And I just have gotten – so syncing is one of those things where um, do you – have each folder exactly match each other? Is it an additive kind of thing so that um, files that get added end up in the bigger folder but never get deleted? So there's, there's always rules around syncing and and I've just always been very comfortable with always sync. So, um, you, you know, some of the things that you could try uh, and, and a couple things I've done, just as some testing, is um, somebody had brought up on one of the sites about, hey, I want to cop, I, I want to sync between two online services, uh, so like OneDrive and Copy.com, because both of those have folders on Windows, you can do it. You just set up all way and you can set the two to sync with each other. You can make it a two-way sync, and that works really well. Always sync costs money. Uh, the other one that comes to mind is um, Sync Toys from Microsoft. So Microsoft has that Power Pack with Sync Toys in it. So that would be that'd be another way I would look at it. And you could set up um, so you could set your My Documents to sync into One OneDrive and uh, and move things that way. So that that'd be probably the first thing I would think about.
0: Okay, John, you got any uh, any recommendations on the sync side?
2: No, nah, I, I don't really
1: play around with, uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't have that option or not that option, but I I don't uh, run into that issue where I'm, you know, two people are trying to sync to the same, uh, same uh, online account.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. We I don't share a lot of my, on my online folders. We, um, Sarah and I, when I, we need to do that, I just give her my username and password for the, for that folder. If I need it, we just get that around. Keith had said, um, you know, I think uh, he, you know. Drop. He wants it to work like Dropbox, and uh, and and so obviously Dropbox uh, might work pretty well in that case. But um, yeah, always think that's that's probably a good good recommendation on that, Kevin. Give that a try.
2: Yeah, and in, and uh, in chat, Keith mentioned something about you know, wanting to be able to do it home or away, um, totally totally different kind of concept but Keith if you're ever concerned about getting into a home machine um, I'm a big fan of TeamViewer uh, for remote access and TeamViewer actually has a mode now in version 9 where um, you can just transfer files. You you really don't even have to log on to the machine you can jump in and grab a file that way so um, you definitely would be most advantageous if everything is up in OneDrive, but for those times when I've had stuff sitting on a home machine and uh, had forgot to throw it in the right folder to get it synced up, um, it's a pretty slick way to hop in with TeamViewer and just do a file transfer.
0: Yeah, Keith, while we have you out there, what what don't you like or why do you want to move away from Dropbox? Is it a size restriction or a security restriction or something like that? Uh, We use I use Dropbox for a lot of the podcast consulting that I do, and that always works really, really well for me. It's just been one of those things that, with Dropbox, now I don't—I'm not throwing anything out there that I, I wouldn't let anybody look at, you know, for the most part. Um, so I'm not worried about security from a from a Dropbox perspective, but. That seems to work really well. I've got Dropbox installed on my Windows Home Server 2011. And so I actually just go to the server and I put it in folders there. And it does all the work for me. That way I back up those files and, and do some of those other things as well. So just kind of wondering, Keith, if you can throw in there, why not use it? Dropbox works so well for those for those kinds of share. That's one thing Dropbox does really well is oh, okay, so he says he's got about 125 gig. Well, yeah, that would be pretty expensive with Dropbox being the most expensive cloud storage option. If you head out to the average guy TV and look over, we have got a new post for the cloud storage. Uh, um, you know, the, the guide that I put out there for cloud storage, just went through and updated that and Dropbox is the most expensive one um, that you can use out there. They don't get uh, to they get don't get any more expensive. Um, than that. A couple of the other ones you might think about, uh, some of the ones, if we think about like Cubby, uh, C-U-B-B-Y, Cubby.com, those are the guys um, over at LogMeIn, and they're also in that space of sharing. That's kind of one of the things that they uh, they do a lot of. I have not uh, looked at that. I did install that client on my PC at one point in time and had it up and running. Um, But I I haven't used it, so it's not a recommendation, Keith. I'm just merely saying what, um, you know, as you look at some options, what might be out there um, for you that might work. Those those are the guys that, that might do that well as far as sharing. Of course, MediaFire might be something to look at. They've got some sharing options as well. I haven't gotten down to that, but the guys at MediaFire are doing some of that. They're by far the most generous. They're giving away about 50 gig for free to start with, and then I think it starts at 10 and you can work your way up to 50. Um, through referrals and such. And then, um, or you can just buy a terabyte for 25 bucks. That's pretty cheap. Um, and so that might be an option as well. All right. Well,
1: I wanted to uh, also mention, that I don't know if Kevin, if you came across that, uh, this issue, like sometimes people talk about sharing documents and stuff with like, a, you know, from a company. Let's say you work at a company and you want to, you know, share some of your documents, you know, with one of your vendors and stuff. So, you know, there's some security stuff, you know, you want to let mm-hmm. the guy in, you know, have access to some documents and stuff like that. I've heard about how some guys were using um, uh, SharePoint, you know, so like they were going to their, I think their SkyDrive and they were making their, their, you know, getting their documents in, Sky, in SkyDrive and then the vendor was on SkyDrive and somehow with, with SharePoint, there was some kind of integration where you can, you know, so it keeps this levels of security that, you know, you can cut the guy off at certain times and stuff like that. Have you ever played around with that, uh, Kevin, or do you, you know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, we're we're just starting to play with that at work now. We've kind of uh, shifted in, in adopting Office 365 at work and then going to OneDrive uh, Pro, OneDrive Business, and we've used SharePoint for quite a while. So we set up teams to work in SharePoint uh, environments, and now you're... Uh, through Active Directory and how you have all the employees set up now there's linkage between SharePoint that you are participating in as a member and your OneDrive account and then you can open up your OneDrive account to share with those folks as well so it kinda turns into a permission type of thing of you know what do you share outside of the company what don't and and uh, but uh, I think properly configured it could be a really a really great way to uh, do file shares and uh, and data distribution as well.
1: Yeah, because you're right, like, you know, like, I mean, for some people, uh, I'm not sure, because I I got one plan with Office 365, and there is a component of SharePoint, you know, and you can set up, you know, like, even so a person who buys out of the more expensive account, he can actually get a SharePoint, uh, like, account or homepage or whatever that's up in the cloud. It's not like you have to set up a, a SharePoint server at home. Or and even like you don't even have to install Office at home. You can just use the uh, Office 365 the, the web apps and stuff. So at least there, uh, I, I like the idea how you can kind of get started for a little bit of money, and uh, and you have this level of security that you know you can at some point say, yeah, this document I'll share it with these couple of people it's not that guy. At a certain date, cut them off. So, because uh, one of the nice things is when you use the, the Office uh, 2013 apps, you know, it's like, you, you just go to your documents, all your SkyDrive stuff, mm-hmm. you know, are there, and if you open, uh, uh, you know, projects or something like that, your document, those documents are there. If you Excel, those documents, so everything is kind of like nice and organized, and then mm-hmm. you just go out on the road, and, you know, your stuff is, is always with you wherever you go, and, you know, that, that's it. With, I guess with SharePoint, you have the option that now, if you say, if you let your wife or your... Friend or whatever, say so get those, get those files. There, there might be something there.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point of another way we use it, or we, we're starting to implement it is, so as a distributor, we carry, you know, many different vendors of products, and resellers work with us on certain product lines, but not all product lines. So for like technical briefs and white papers and things like that, we can put them out in SharePoint, and then we can code a reseller's access by which vendors they work with us on. So they can only get into the libraries that they happen to work with us on, and, and they, they're free to pull data out of those, um, but for things that they don't work with us on, then you know those are locked out for them. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's uh, um, and of course Microsoft loves it because uh, SharePoint rides on top of SQL and SQL uh, is a charge for things, so it, it ends up being a good deal.
0: Yeah. Um, copy would also be, Keith, something to look at, copy.com They're, they've also they've got a nice desktop client as well that you might want to give a try. I've got about 180 gig that I've earned still don't pay for any of it but I've earned about 180 gig out there. That would be within your kind of requirements. It's kind of easy. And they they just upped the ante, too. They got 15 gig for free, and then you can earn or buy. It's fairly inexpensive if you want to do it that way. But worth a try maybe from the syncing option. Although it does sound like you, you're trying to stay within the the Windows or the Office 365 ecosystem. So, you know, it's like, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go with Kevin, give that Always Sync uh, a shot, because that'll do it at the Windows level maybe that'll keep some things up to date for you. Mm -hmm. All right, good stuff. Kevin, you got some new toys. uh, As far as and and we're going to dip a little bit in home automation. Um, Of course, Dave's got a uh, Dave's got a forum for that homeautomation.com. I think it's just what it is. Um, That's available out there as well. If you want to jump into the home automation space, we've been talking a little bit about that you've got some geek you know a, a month or two ago we talked with john zadler there about his train sets and stuff and these little tiny parts that come with it of course i've talked with john zadler too about the raspberry pi and uh, and those little pieces kevin you got some cool stuff i'm going to throw the camera over to you all right so that because uh, you want to show these things so i'm gonna throw sure. the, the camera over to you show us what you got there this sounds pretty interesting
2: Okay, so this uh, it's a company I've heard about for quite a while. It's a company called Little Bits, and they make these little modular um, electronic devices. Uh, So think of little modules that are uh, motor controllers and switches and power supplies and and a variety of things. Uh, And I always wanted to buy into them, but I just never quite got the, the... Jump to get into it, and then about two weeks ago, they had an announcement that they had come up with a, a cloud based uh, controller, and it was basically a way to connect their devices up through their website into a cloud. So, I'll flip my uh, camera over to the, the other camera. No, I didn't mean to do that. Let's
0: oh. And there he goes. Did we just lose him? <laughs> he did. He cl- he clicked the hang up button. Clicked on the hang he up. He will come back here in uh, in just a second. So, yeah, John Sutzman says I'd like to hear what uh, you settle on, Keith. So, um, that would be good, Keith. I need to have you on the podcast. Would you Would you consider that? We maybe we can bring you back. Talk about your quadcopter. Maybe in about three or four weeks. Talk about your Crodcopter as well as your the storage decision you go with. Remind me of that if you would, Keith. That'd be great. Kevin, uh, Kevin. click the wrong button. Good to have you back.
2: <laughs> do not. I, I feel like Apollo thirteen. I got to put a sticker up there. Don't. Don't disconnect the command module. <laughs> don't disconnect the command module. All right. Don't do it.
0: Don't do it.
2: So um, I'll flip over to my life cam. So these are the little modules. And the, uh, the guy in the middle is the cloud controller. Um, little Wi-Fi connection on there, and that ties back into Wi-Fi and sends you uh, up to their website. These guys all just kind of snap together, so they're little magnetic connections. That's a motor controller chip. The uh, guy up front here is just the power powering off USB. The center guy is a controller that uh, talks uh, back up to... Uh, the, the little uh, little bits site um, I think you can see the little motor there and uh, basically now if I go to on my screen I'm on my cloud control setting and if I tap the button on the website the uh, the uh, as soon as I get back in connection here all right you know it's a good demo when it dies we'll give it a second to come back around yeah that's no what The uh, um, the uh, the automation factor on it is one of um, if this if this then that. So the idea is as you put these things together and start uh, working with them. There, the motor is running. I had to wait for it to turn green. Takes a little while to reboot down there, but basically now I'm able to control that motor from the website. The the button aspect is just a way to show that you're actually making it talk. And, you know, no, the USB is only for power, so this is basically commands coming from LittleBits website um, over the Internet down to the wireless on here. So, you know, what are, what are some of the things you could do with this guy? Um, you know, people have already kind of taken this motor control and hooked it up to an old thermostat and let the arm move the thermostat back and forth to turn the temperature up and down. Um, you know, A lot of little robotics projects with it. Um, if you go up to uh, Little Bits website there's, uh, there's all kinds of little projects that people have done and frankly uh, you know uh, Jim's done quite a bit of stuff with STEM part of my motivation with this is I have a nine-year-old daughter and she she likes uh, Snap circuits is, is one she likes that is just snap together electronic circuits, uh, voice control, voice synthesizer kind of stuff. And then this was the next big step for us, uh, is to jump into these. Now the other pack I got from, um, from Little Bits is the um, I also have a hard time pronouncing this, Arduino. So for some of the embedded guys out there who have played with Arduino before, um, uh, I, I got their starter kit from, uh, from Little Bits for Arduino. And part of the reason I picked Arduino is uh, SmartThings, the home automation guys that I've started working with here, um, those guys uh, have a board that links Arduino circuits to SmartThings. So it basically does the Z-Wave connection. It's either Zigbee or Z-Wave into SmartThings. So if you made a controller or a sensor or a monitor of some kind, which the little bit stuff has a lot of the sensor, light sensor, dimmer kind of functions, um, you can basically start building your own circuits and have them tie back into um, um, your SmartThings system, and. Uh, if this then that has smart things connectivity. So you can use trigger points from smart things to make things happen with the little bits technology as well.
0: That's very cool. Just John think about that on a train, man?
1: Yeah. Well, I was thinking is uh, yeah. The reality is, uh, you see, like those little motors, they're stepper motors, you know. So there could be, they could be very precise, you know, of how many revolutions you want it to go, you know, like an exact distance, you know. It's not they don't just turn like fans, you know. They, yep. you can see the little holes there. You can adjust. And uh, what some of the guys do on train sets actually is like underneath they have a, it's not a coil, but it's they they put these stepper motors. And then it connects to the, uh, through like a wire, it connects to the pinups up above where there's the turnout. You know, so it actually flips... like it pulls a wire, and as it turns, it'll pull the track to one side, and then you have it turned in the other direction, it pulls the track. So, you can, you know, I guess, you could do something where, uh, you know, somebody's ru- running his trains, so then you wire it, you know, remotely, you know. <laughs> You're at home and you press the button, and you derail his train, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or you control somebody's track remotely, right? I mean, you could have cameras set around the track or whatever. I mean, we're using model trains as an example, but it could be a variety of things, remote control options for. Uh, you know, for any of those things, Kevin. So the two the magnets those just pass power through, right? Is that right? There's just power going through
2: those. Uh, the, the magnets just pull them together. The oh, okay, um, yeah, bring you, that into the camera
0: view a little bit. There we go.
2: If you oh, can perfect. see the camera yeah, view, yeah, that's great. Yep. There's three pins on each of these, and I have to believe. Um, I should have did a little more research on it. I have to believe it's one of the uh, embedded buses like I squared C, which is like a three-wire bus connection for for embedded control. Um, so they're passing power and ground, and then um, the control signals just kind of pass through in a serial bus fashion. So I think
1: they swiped that off that idea from uh, the micros, the
2: surface uh, touchpad, and all of that. You know, the <laughs> magnetic touchpad. Actually, these, might might be the other way because these guys are out right before them. <laughs> My, Microsoft might be in trouble on that one.
0: So the USB is the power coming yep. in all the way over to the left, and then you've got the controller in the middle. Yep. And then the you've got that circuit that's running the motor, Yep. but you could connect a variety. What, what other kind of connections do they have?
2: Um, so yeah, this is a sound trigger that... Um, I'll just read a few of them off that I've got. It's a sound trigger, so you could set that as a trigger point if the doorbell rang or, you know, if a noise went off, it would trigger whatever circuit you had going. Um, obviously, push buttons are uh, available. Um, in the other pack, there's a dimmer switch and a photo photosensitive, uh, so if the light goes down, it can trigger off that. Um, There's motion sensor modules, so you could uh, build your own uh, motion sensor devices. Uh, So any kind of, think from terms of uh, either output from a dimming point of view or from a control point of view, um, volume control, moving volume up and down. Um, So just any of your basic control functions uh, from a, a sensor switch or control point of view.
0: I like it. That's pretty cool. And all those have those modules and I just they'll stack one. Yep. I mean, so you can stack one on if you wanted the like the doorbell one, the on and off, you could put that on the end of the green all the way to the right. You could slap yep. that on there and it and it would
2: Yeah. Yeah, and you have to think of it in order of what you're trying to do. So the the simple circuit they first have you do is power and a switch and the motor and then of course you push the power bu- you push the button down and the motor turns so it just okay. it gets you started with the flow and and I don't think you can see it but there's little arrows on here to make sure you plug them in the right way so that the flow of the circuit always goes the same Got way it.
0: that is a dynamite stem tool I Oh, mean, you're it. not you're not you're not lying that's i mean as you show this is awesome
2: <clears throat> yeah i think this would be and, and they have uh, uh, pretty good sized discounts for uh stem so, I mean, this would be a great project, and, and like John said, these are real servos. These are real stepper motors. So, um, you could hop into these and do lots of lots of interesting projects out of them.
0: Oh, very cool. No, that's awesome. I yeah, I think it just gets better. You know, it's get oh, yeah. it's weird that we're back to these. You know, we we got really high tech for a while, and now we're kind of back to simple circuitry using that very very small tech that we've. You know, we got so much better with chips and making them smaller, and now they're able to embed this on simple circuits, but turn those simple circuits really into some dynamite, useful, you know, which now are all internet connected, right? The Internet of Things, and so this is the beginning of that of that process, and uh, in a way that really you could get kids engaged. But I don't know, Kevin. I mean, what what's your plan with this? What what made you want to buy this? What was the the impetus for that?
2: You know, it, like I say, it's, it's kind of with, uh, with a nine-year-old uh, daughter. Uh, she likes to play with this kind of stuff. Um, the other big thing from my point of view is on the home automation thing, I'm already starting to run into things that don't exist. So I've, I've put uh, Schlage uh, door locks on two of my doors that are controlled through smart things, but um, nobody makes a electronic lock for a patio door because uh, sliding glass patio doors, there's no standard to that. And I got to looking at it and I'd probably need a motor stronger than this one, but you know thinking about the function of just moving that lock arm up and down on a uh, patio door, um, that might be one of my first projects to tie in just to prototype it with this, see if I can get it to work, and then uh, you know see where we build out.
0: Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right well, let's switch your camera back over. Uh, when you get a second, so we see that's kind of cool. I might have to, I might have to look into that, and that'd be good. We just started our high school internship program. Uh, the very first group of kids we met their parents and them last night. We have thirteen of them, and we'll bring another fifteen or so uh, into the program in about a month, and then they'll join us for six Saturdays in the fall. Six Saturdays in the spring, they'll have a winter project, and uh, we're, these are the kind of winter projects, kind of things. Although we have them build Android apps or some of those kinds of things, but this stuff is very, very cool. So. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate you bringing that up. That's that's what I love about the community here, guys. To be honest with you, we just get some great. I mean, from trains to 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 this, we're Keith we, and I are talking about. He just bought a quadcopter and uh, going to bring that. Although I think it's a six a hexacopter. I think it's a six uh, blade dealio, So um, you know, some very cool stuff, you guys. And I will say, if you've got something tech related and you want to come on the show and talk about it, we we I'm, I'm always keeping things scheduled out. So I can give you kind of a month to get ready if you'd like, but um, let me know. Send me an email, Jim at theaverageguy.tv, and we'll get you on the program. John, I know. Oh, go ahead, John.
1: I was gonna say it makes me think about my like my brother. Just a couple of weeks ago, he also ordered some of those uh, circuit boards, like you know you mentioned Arduino, and uh, they have you know there's one called uh, Beagle Board, and uh, mm-hmm. some of those boards you know they do different projects and like so they have different boards because like we said before you you know before back in the day there you to do some circuitry or some some logic, you needed a lot of chips, each chip, like you yeah, had the NAND gate, OR gate, AND gates, and all this stuff, and you had to kind of like wire them up to, to have an end product, whereas now you can have, you know, a small board with a microprocessor, and you program that chip, so that's what these guys do, is they'll program these chips to be this type of controller, that type of t- thing, or whatever, or you update it yourself, just like a Raspberry Pi, right? You could put the programming you want, and these big old boards, they, uh, just like the Arduino boards, like they can stack one on top of each other, Mm-hmm. So you can have a power supply and then you stack in, uh, I don't know, uh, analog to digital converter, then you a um, um, uh, uh, um, USB uh, card and something. And they're all made, like, you know, the guys think ahead of time that all these bo- bo- box, uh, boards can plug into each other and, they um, you know, you get some neat projects. And, and that's one of the other things that makes me also think about this. Uh, like Raspberry Pi, they just updated their um, their uh, Raspberry Pi they had the first the original then they had the version uh, the 2 which they gave you more memory but now they create, they have the what they called the B plus mm-hmm. and they made it uh, more pins on on the on the on the motherboard so now you have access to uh, you know to more pins they added another USB port on it they moved the power around they did a little bit so what they're trying to do there is they uh, they have basically if you if you see the new B plus board there's like four corners and then the long bar where that has all the pins. And they want to make what they call hats. You know, so it's it's uh, hardware uh, on top or hardware attached on top. It's H-A-T. And what, so companies will make these different boards that will have different projects. And you will just be able to take those boards for whatever you pay them, $25, $30, and plug them into the Raspberry Pi. And that's it. And now you got your Raspberry Pi connected to your Internet. Maybe it'll be a sound, uh, you know, it could be a... Uh, running some uh, alarm system could be doing all different kind of stuff so they're, they they cr- they're creating a standard now and they're you know they, they want to make this available for students in in schools and stuff so not only like in like now we're you know it's like you learn programming on computers and stuff but there's nothing like tangible you know whereas with them it's like you got the board. You learned programming. Okay, now let's make it like a, a real world thing. Let's connect, you know, something that's gonna feed the cat or something, you know, a motor, stepper motor. Maybe you can drop your food there, like yours. You can feed your cat with your. When you're not home, you can remotely uh let's feed the cat. So I have a
0: camera so, on the dish while the cat's waiting, and then mess with them because they'll start they'll start understanding that the motor starts turning, the food's gonna drop down. So turn the motor, but don't open the door. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like the can opener. They'll hear the bzzz, and then they'll come running for it, and then it's like, no, nope, gotcha. Yeah,
0: yeah. You could do that remote stuff. Put the camera on it, and then watch. You know, from the web, uh, execute it. Kevin, uh, best place to get these components. Uh, some people have been asking how much. Where's the best place to find them?
2: Um, currently, you have to go right to LittleBits website. So that that's the you, you got to go straight to them. Um, it's uh, LittleBits CC uh, and they have they tend to have some uh, specials going on uh, the stuff I got here the the cloud thing uh, the cloud kit their kits are the best price and their cloud kit was 165 but it's on sale for 99 bucks um, you know if you get for like the stem stuff there's there's premium kits deluxe kits you know with lots of different modules Um and then the arduino kit was like 89 and uh but uh, yeah and they've got some workshop kind of things as well so
0: Kevin uh, I threw a link stuff. for Amazon in the chat click on that and make sure that's the right uh that's the right deal there if okay. um it's a it's a little bits of electronics base kit is what they're calling it for 99 bucks
2: Yeah there there's is, there there is a space kit version yep
0: base yeah base kit is oh, what they're calling kit. it yep yeah. that's
2: the base. yep So
0: I just went to Amazon, typed in little bits, and there's a there's I think you're saying they're being fulfilled. You get they get them directly from them, but they're being fulfilled through Amazon. And so of course I'll remind you use the Amazon link when you go out there. Theaverageguy.tv/slash Amazon. Thanks for supporting. That's been great. You guys have been doing a great job. And Kevin, all your stuff did come through. It took a sometimes I think it takes up to a week for me Mm -hmm. to even see what you guys buy. I don't get names. I don't know who's buying one unless you disclose like Kevin did. He was like, Hey, I bought this. Did you get credit for it? And uh, we actually got some good clarification from Amazon on some of those things so that if you click on that link and then use a search that it still credits uh, in there, even though the Amazon affiliate link goes away. So I appreciate you guys uh, buying through Amazon. That's kind of funded the the AverageGuy.tv scholarship fund. And, um, and I actually um, I bought uh, well we'll talk about this I'll just I'll mention it I I bought some Audio Technica noise canceling headphones to work you know I do a lot of traveling in the spring and the fall and the Bose ones are always the like um you know they're super expensive <laughs> they're like 299 and I thought since we all use Audio Technica microphones I wonder if a uh, inexpensive op, you know inexpensive option would be to go with a $130 Audio Technica 90% noise canceling headphones so uh, since I travel, I thought, hey, I'm going to take advantage of the averageguide, uh, TV Tech Scholarship Fund. I picked up a pair, and I'll be testing those on the road, uh, and we'll make a post for them as well. be a great alternative, maybe if they work out real well, and uh, if if you want an option to not have to go with the $299 Bose, but go with uh, a $130 pair, uh, that might be an option as well. Kevin, have you when you travel, you use uh, noise-canceling headphones? You know, I,
2: I've kind of Come and gone on them. Uh, in most cases, I just take to have a couple of different varieties of earbuds. But uh, it's funny when you mentioned um, getting the Audio Technicas. I had just seen. Uh, I think the older version of that was getting blown out on Dealfisher.com, and they went really fast. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's interesting. There was a there's a really good review, and I, I know we've kind of had some discussions about headphones in the past, and you know the Beats Audio, Apple buying Beats Audio, you know beats are very trendy they don't sound that great and and they don't hold up all that great and you know you can get a pair of Audio-Technica headphones for under a hundred dollars we were at a wedding Saturday and all the DJ's had Audio-Technica headphones and uh, the noise canceling audio Technica's has just got a couple other awards so um, you know, much lower price than the the, the, the the fancy name brand guys and I, I think the sound quality is better.
0: Yeah, Steven in chat was saying they're a little tight on his on his big noggin. I got a big noggin too. And those Audio Technica, I tried them out, they're real, they're were, they were pretty, they're snug. But that's good. You kind of want them you know, to kind of hold on there. So uh, those are coming up. That will be a future post that I'll do for you guys as well. But I thought I'd take advantage of it. I hadn't I hadn't really bought much out of the fund. And I thought, well, I travel. Let's get a pair of headphones. Let's give it a try. And so those are coming up um, as well. So appreciate you guys. Uh, when you buy, buy from Amazon. John, let's talk a little, let's catch up with you a little bit. Uh, we haven't heard from you in a while. Last time you were on, you were talking about, uh, we talked about trains. So we really haven't talked about much about storage and server. That hasn't been a lot going on in that space anyways. But catch us up a little bit, maybe some things you've been working on a smidge and and, and uh, maybe throw in one one uh, home server item.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I got a tip there because some of the guys were talking about uh Installing, uh, you know, Windows Home Server twenty eleven on their media smart servers, which is a headless box, and uh, you know, how do how do they get it going? And so the whole idea was that you basically you start with your hard drive on your PC, you start the installation there, uh, just like you know, since now it's on your PC, you have your monitor, keyboard, and mouse, you start your installation. Then the computer will get to uh, the install will get to a point where it's gonna want to reboot. So at that point you say fine, you let it reboot, but then you kill it. The uh, the that when it comes to boot back up you kill it you take it you the drive you put it in your media smart server the last the bottom bay turn on the power and away it goes and it, it's 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 really nice because it will pick up the driver'll pick up the network card and everything it'll just install. You know, I recall when we were trying to, you know, we kind of did more or less the same thing with the micro servers, you know, but they have VGA. I remember the servers there at one point, there, uh, Microsoft, uh, well, when they went to server 2012 R2 Essentials, we couldn't get it going. Like, they didn't include the right drivers and stuff, so we had some headaches there. So, uh, it's nice to see that uh, even with the media smart servers that are old boxing, you know, 470, 45, 490. You can, you know, this will work across all the Windows Home servers, Server 2012, 2012 Part 2. So uh, so that'll all work. But the other um, the other thing is once the, the server gets, um, you know, installed, then people have to install the connector. And the, the, the little bit of the confusing part is it's like, well, Okay, what server name did I use or what did it take as a default? A default? What IP address did it take and stuff? So it's like, you know, then they're going to their DHCP, the router, and they're trying to check the what the addresses are and stuff like that. But uh, one thing I uh, I notice is, uh, let me see. I'll try and share my one of my screens here. Hopefully this will pop up. Okay, can you see my desktop?
0: Not yet, but hold on. Let me give you focus. There we go. Yeah, you bet.
1: Okay, see, so basically, this this is like my Windows 8 desktop, so I have all my, my documents up here, then I have devices and drives. Sorry for the people who are just on audio, but I'll try to explain it all. Um, see, I'm highlighting my computer, and then down here I have network connections, and these are, the, you know, on my server, I have, a, see, I have Twonky Media running on my HP server. I have another uh, different type of iTunes guy, and then I have the Windows Media Player guys going. But uh, my tip is here, what you do is you click on the network. Usually, this network guy is like, goes like that. So what you'll do is you'll click on the network icon, and now you'll get all your, see, on the top, the first category is called computers. second one is media devices, network infrastructure, and then other devices. So that's the one that you want to look for. See the HP, once you digital, it, it adds a nice icon here, but otherwise, uh, if you're running Windows Home Server version 1 or Windows Home Server 2011, you'll get these sort of white icons with the server name. So now you'll see what the server's name is. So that's, that's one piece of uh, helpful information. What you do is you highlight it, you right-click, and it says View Devices Web Page. So in this case, I'll click that. Now that part and we don't
0: yeah. see, John, but it, it you do get a dialog box yeah, and uh, that shows see, that. I don't know if I can switch to that screen. If you switch to your whole desktop, we might see that.
1: Yeah, see, it, it'll open up this page. Can you see this page? Yep, this yep there be. we go. Okay, so now the bottom line, uh, there's a link there, hyperlink, and it says HTTP colon slash slash HP server colon 55,000. So basically, you would click on that, and then it would go and uh, it would open up in your web browser, and it would pull up the uh, the download. Do you see this? Uh, where yeah, it says download? yep, yep. Yeah. So you would click download, and then you would run. a little box will do it, a little check, and then it'll go and... Uh, We'll go and do it. It's uh, just going to find a connector. And then it'll install.
0: John, that's a great tip, especially because I'm running into more and more people in the forums, as well as just contacting me that are asking me questions about Home Server. Um, you know, we, we I think we all kind of assumed it would die. And all of a sudden, I don't know what's changed a little bit, but we kind of have a new crop of guys that are um, kind of coming out of the world, we're saying, well, I'm looking for something at home, and I heard about this thing called a home server, but I know it's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the number one question I get all the time is, how do I get 2011? You know, how do I, that's, I mean, that used to be cheap, 40, 50 bucks to get, it's getting harder and harder to find 2011 now. Um, there was just a conversation, I think, when, that went on over in the home server show forums about that. The, where do you get it, right? 2011 is getting harder and harder to find. Uh, my yeah. microsoft's not selling it anymore and so guys are running into of course you can still get it in an msdn subscription with TechNet gone now msdn if you're in that you can find home server that way if you're lucky and you can track down the 2011 i was going through my media the other day and i'm i found a copy of 2011 the a physical media i'm like i better hold on to this this could be because i've got you know i've got the original home server on disk i've got 2011 on disk i haven't bought 2012 so I haven't done that one yet, but... Um.
1: Well, I know uh, one of the guys over at the MediasmartServer.net there, one of the admins there, whenever he has a chance, sometimes he'll go and buy like uh, five or five, six or eight copies when it goes on sp- on special, Windows Home Server 2011. It's like he finds the licenses, you know, so they ship him the CDs and the license keys. It's all, you know, legit stuff there. It's yeah. not a... Right, real stuff. And, and, you know, because that's it. It's like put them on the shelf because, you know, uh, they're, they're beautiful. I mean, you have a basically, you're running Windows Server 2008 uh, for you know, for thirty-five, forty, fifty dollars.
0: Yeah, also, Kevin, option, oh, to oh, go see, ahead, John. The same bet. thing
1: is also available for like in this case, I'll right click on my Western Digital box and I'll click click on. Um, uh, I'll right click and then I'll, I'll grab you the other. I'll show you what page it brings. because it? And I'll bring you to it will bring you to this page you see that mm-hmm. connect yeah we see the through, connector you and bet and then yeah. the, the connector software there too so the same the same applies to version 1 uh, Windows Home Server in this case I'm running storage server 2008 but if you had installed Windows Home Server 2011 it would be there If you installed server uh, 2012 R2 essential same thing so the the trick is to go down to other devices or or, or first thing is to open them uh, uh, I'll just reiterate there on your computer you open file explorer so click on network, let's go down to other devices. You should see your servers there. If they're not there, then, you know, that's one problem that, you know, okay, it didn't get an, I, you know, the I, I either didn't finish installing, it didn't get the network, it uh, didn't get an IP address or something, so at least this is one hurdle that, you know, yeah, okay, I see uh, my, my guys are there. Highlight, because if you just right-click, you might, uh, let me see. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I highlight, I click on it, and then I right-click, and I say view web, uh, web page. And yep. Your connector fault comes up.
0: It'll bring so you right up to that page. Yeah. No. Good. Good stuff. Those are good tips. Yeah. Good. Good home server tips. Let me ask the two of you, John. As you pop back over to your screen, uh, Kevin, have you? Uh, there's some chat going on about the six terabyte drives that are out, and uh, and they're going mainstream. They're not terribly expensive. I think I saw them three ninety or two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Uh, yeah. Last time I saw them, out of two ninety nine. Kevin, have you seen anything yet uh, along the the six terabyte? Um, yeah, you know, size.
2: I have not played with them yet, but uh, my friend that works at WD that's uh, his busy time right now because the, uh, the 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 big folks that use lots of big drives like Facebook and and other big data centers like that are trying to quell them as quickly as possible. Um, you know, and it's it wasn't I should be able to do quick math in my head, but it wasn't until I punched it in on a, at a on a calculator that um, a six terabyte drive is a nickel a gig. And you know, did, did we ever think we'd get down to a nickel a gig? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yes, but uh,
0: when was the question, right? Um, you know, Kevin, there was some, and John, let me throw this out to you. Um, bring your video back, John, when you get a sec. The I like um, to back to video. Yeah, come back, to your, come back to your video. Where do I click to get back oh, to? Click that. Kick the green button again over on the, on the left-hand side just to bring your video back. If you um, just the same one you click to share should bring it back, hopefully.
1: Well, I guess it'll so give me back well, my... It, word,
0: no. it, while you're working on it, there we go. Oh, we're getting close. We're getting closer. Um, John, while you're working on that, the uh, Kevin, let me ask you this. There was some concern, right? I'm in, a fa- in the Facebook group, um, and I don't know if it was mine or another one I was reading, but they're like six gigs, That's or six terabytes. That's a lot of space to trust on one drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're to that point now where the drives are, you can really, for most people, get everything you own. And you got to try hard for the average guy, on OneDrive. Do you trust, you know, do you trust it to OneDrive? And uh, do you have any concerns? I mean, six is a lot of space. We don't know the failure rates yet. What do you think?
2: Well, it's you know, it, we've had the discussions on home server about it. I, I think it is something you need to think about. So, first and foremost, RAID's not a backup. Whether it's RAID five, RAID one, you know, whatever you're doing. Um, but I do think the the you know and, and I use raid 5 pretty heavily on smaller drives these days you know two terabyte three terabyte um, I think six terabyte in in the big storage arrays that my company sells is fine because you're talking about some really robust equipment but throwing um, you know eight six terabyte drives on an HP, p uh, 222 in, in a uh, uh, micro server, I you know I don't think that's a great idea when it comes to rebuild times and and actually the drive guys are starting to notice that it, it is getting more common so think of a RAID five set you have a drive die and you replace the drive and RAID five goes into a parity rebuild. That parity rebuild is reading and writing and reading and writing, and it really beats up the RAID set. So it's actually rough on the existing drives to do that. So you know you'd need to sit down with a piece of paper and look at it, but think think if if you could fit everything on um, six terabytes, that would be four two terabyte drives in in a RAID five with a pretty smart controller, um, or what if you went with two six terabyte drives and mirrored them in the operating system so now all of a sudden you'd have you'd have your um, six terabytes you'd have 2 you You'd have six hundred bucks in drives but from a from a failure point of view you'd have a pretty easy way to fail over so i think there's more and more promotion around mirroring and even though i'm a big fan of raid controllers um the 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 mirrors you know make things uh, a great way to go for the home you know for the home user. So I, I tell people to think more and more from a mirroring point of view. Um, might not be you know it's it's tough for people to grab onto that mainly because hey I just bought two six terabyte drives and you're telling me I only got six terabyte usable. That just doesn't seem right.
0: Yeah yeah for sure yeah. John, we had John drop out and come back in. Um, yeah, it's just it's interesting. We're in an interesting spot with storage. And uh, I'm not sure the average consumer really understands how much six terabytes is, you know, uh, just just how much data they have at their fingertips. And, and I don't know if 10 will be next, that would seem to be the next, you know, eight, I think we would go eight and then 10 here mm-hmm. as we make jumps, I think there's going to be some changes john as you're looking ahead at six terabyte drives uh for you you know um any interest in having having them for you i mean if money was no object would you go out and buy a bunch of six six terabyte drives oh well hold on we don't have john. john didn't even hear the question i thought he was there i thought he was looking con you know I thought he was contemplating.
2: Uh, he, he is very contemplative. John, John, can you hear me now? He's dual contemplative.
0: <laughs> okay, good. You were you, there's a picture of you in there, and you look very contemplative. And I was talking to you, but you weren't there. So, John, let me ask you: six terabyte drives, money's no object. You interested in them, or is that is it kind of is that getting kind of silly and ridiculous at this point?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's. I think it's it's a bit silly. It's. I mean. I, you know, again, if I go back to saying my media smart server, you know, I have four two-terabyte drives. And then, you know, at some point, you know, we, you know, we had 500 gig, a terabyte, you know, one and a half, two terabyte. Then it's like, okay, what's going to happen now a two terabyte You know, I can only put four drives. But then it's like now that I have four two-terabyte drives, like, okay, yeah, everybody is, you know, their own preferences. But for me, it's like, hey, eight terabytes is, you know, or seven point whatever usable. That's good enough for me. You know uh, you know maybe I would get maybe a four terabyte here for like a backup especially sometimes when you have let's say have a big video collection and you want to go to one hard drive but I would tend to use it just as a backup yeah, and yeah. not for everyday uh, like everyday use always writing to that six terabyte drive you know that, that that's like a bit overkill you know it's like going to work in the I don't know a Mercedes or you know like a big car a fast expensive car it's like okay I just need what I need you know I just need something yeah. middle of the road stuff. Especially if you're paying that extra premium, you know? Because I think in Western Digital, right, they have the, the 6 terabyte drives, but then don't they have some that are like the pros, and then a, a, like a lower end and a higher end one? Mm-hmm. Even though they're reds, one is more like I think one is a 3-year warranty or two and two and a five or something. So you know, it starts to get a little a little crazy. And I, well, I think, well, for the regular person, it's like a 6 terabyte drive. I'd rather have maybe two, four terabytes. And you know, in this way, have uh, some kind of redundancy there, not put all my eggs in that one basket.
0: Do um, Kevin, do you think the sweet spot price-wise? You're you're kind of our, you know, you're our, our resident uh, shopper, that's out there. Uh, price-wise, what's the sweet spot for hard drives right now?
2: Well, there's been a lot of good ones lately. Um, three teras, yeah. To me, probably three terabytes have been running ninety-nine bucks around Amazon and Newegg. That's that's a hard deal to beat. Um, there have been some, and I should try and double check here, but I want to say last week Newegg had some two terabyte drives for like sixty-nine. Um, it, I mean, which is, you know, when we start getting drives down around fifty bucks, that. You don't get much cheaper than that, right?
0: That's kind of the bottom, right? Yeah. At that so, point.
2: Yeah. so to me, three three terabyte drives for ninety nine, that's that's a sweet spot kind of thing. Um, the past few days, we've seen lots of four terabyte drives around the one fifty kind of point. Um, I, I look through some of my home server posts, and sometime within the last weeks, uh, Newegg had some four terabyte drives for like 129, which is pretty outrageously low. But uh, 100 bucks for a three terabyte drive, I'd say, is a pretty good deal. And 100 bucks. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and you know, y- you and I have had a few posts about uh, you know some of the folks wanting to get into backing up their systems. I think it's pretty hard to beat a Synology uh, SE box for 150 and a couple of three terabyte drives for 100 bucks. You're you're in for um, 350 bucks and you've got three terabyte of mirrored storage.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. That's some good some good options there. Um, so with Synology or QNAP, I mean, there's a bunch mm-hmm. out now. I was when we were having that discussion. I was looking at all the NAS. I just want to. Amazon and typed in NAS. Holy moly, I don't know who's buying all these things, all these <laughs> NAS devices. Somebody must be because there's a ton of them now. I think oh, yeah. Buffalo has stepped up and has is, is got their own version of NAS. Um, Drobo continues to work on theirs. They slowly have been releasing some new updates and some stuff to theirs and getting faster. And, you know, I'm tempted uh, at 99 bucks, the, the Western Digital 2 terabyte reds right now are 99 bucks. Yep. And it's like, I'm almost tempted to buy one of those a month. And just you know, re- re- you know, replace them in my Drobo. Just yep. you know, at the end of the day, then I've got ten. It really won't be ten. Let's just call it eight something. But that that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> it's like I don't have a eight I don't need that. But at the pricing that they are right now, that may make make some sense. Mm-hmm.
1: You start hoping for uh, hard drive errors. You know, yeah, yes, I got a hard drive error, honey. I need another drive. I gotta drop another ninety. I gotta re-
0: <laughs> I gotta replace a <laughs> We're drive. Not
1: smart. Uh, you know, the smart add-in, Windows Home Server smart add-ins. Yes, yes, it found the, it found an error.
0: It's got one little smart error, yeah. and you're like, it's out of
1: here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, like the monitors, you know, like one dead pixel. Hey, I can see a dead pixel up there. Change that monitor. It's time to change it out.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. that's good, John. That's that's rich. Uh, I've well, got I'm wondering the dr- if the terabytes are even
1: warmer. Do they run hotter? Because there's, uh, I guess, you know, the thinner platters and, you know, more, uh, you know, it's got to go write more to the drive, you know, I mean, everything is more compressed, but, you know, you kind of wonder, the accuracy has to be, you know, it's a uh, smaller tolerance, and, you know, and, you know, it's tight, because I hear, I hear, it, even in the six terabyte drives, like, they don't put air in the drive, like, they say the molecule of air is too big, yeah. so they use uh, some kind of, I don't know, some gas, helium. I don't know if it's helium, or, helium. It?
2: Hitachi uses helium. helium. Yeah, helio? helium? Helium. Helium,
1: helium, yeah. There you go. It's like you know, we gotta make it smaller. So, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of wonder if the the dries are getting warmer and stuff, you know. And now you have to maybe think about that.
0: What's well, weird, Kevin? I'm getting a little feedback from you all, right. all of a sudden. I'll uh, I'll try and lean in a bit more. No, that's okay. It's I, just I, really I, weird. It just showed up. hadn't hadn't it been there, there the whole time. Something. Yeah, you're on the twenty one hundred.
2: Uh, yes. Okay, yeah. I should check to make sure I shut down everything else. Yeah, so it might then,
0: you might have an open oh, open something somewhere. Well, anyways, a good hard drive discussion, to say the least, uh, from, from that standpoint, as we talk about uh, what, what's new in the area of hard drives. I think, for me, 6 is a little overkill. I, I like that 2, 3, and 4 spot for what I need. Um, if I need it, I don't. You know, I've just started ripping and keeping my DVDs just so I've got something to use for storage, kind of deal. You know, I don't do it because I want to. I kind of do it because I, you know, I want to keep up with what's going on in the storage world, and so I, I kind of create that data to do it. It's not bad. I'm been running Plex now, and and that's kind of fun. I've got Plex on all the equipment around the house, so anybody can get access to the movies. So I'm that's working out. Uh, that I just got charged the 4.99. I think that's what it is. Plex is on a monthly basis now. So. I should probably buy the lifetime and be done with it. I think I'm going to stick with Plex for a while. One last thing, guys, I want to cover. Kevin, I know you got some phone stuff. We're going to skip that for now. But I want to talk sure. a little bit about OneNote. Uh, because um, this this is something, you know, OneNote's always been out there. If you haven't used it recently, it is worth a look. Because one of the amazing things I've noticed about OneNote, and you're going to talk a little bit about how you guys are using it in the enterprise. But I'm using it at work, and those same One Notes are syncing everywhere. And so I can get it on my phone, and it looks great. I get it at home, and it looks great. I get it on my Windows phone, and it looks great. You know, my regular phone Android looks great. It updates, easy to use, easy to work with, tabbed, lots of features, you know, based on what you're doing. I mean, it's all of a sudden, it's OneNote everywhere. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Kevin, talk a little bit about how you guys are using it.
2: Um, absolutely. So I, uh... I've adopted it and been using it for quite a while, but um, you know our inside sales staff. Uh, you go by their desks, and we've got them big 27-inch monitors so they can work on things side by side. And yet, what do they have? Is a notepad. And you know they're in they're in an Oracle application, and they're writing down a sales order number. And the inside sales manager and I, and he he's really good at this stuff. Is we started teaching classes on. Here's Windows 7. Here's the snipping tool. Here's how easy it is to just drop stuff into OneNote, and because they can do things side by side, now all of a sudden, almost all of them have done away with paper on their desk because they can manage and keep all their stuff up and running in OneNote and uh, and 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 stay automated that way. Um, the other thing I've done a lot of lately, and uh, we'll see if I can bring mine up without making too big of a mess here. Um, the other thing. Uh, Jim, um, so over on home server we had to talk about scanners uh, the Fujitsu scanner and you mentioned kinda of waffling back and forth between notes and paper one of the other managers at work he has kinda of given up on writing or typing in OneNote at the end of the day he just rips out his notepad paper scans it straight into OneNote so now he's got it in there and the OCR function in OneNote works pretty slick it actually goes pretty good so yeah,
0: it's got a lot of Evernote like functionality that's in mm-hmm. it that that's just dynamite. I've recorded things into it. Um, I think with the pen on a surface three. Um, let me bring up your uh, let me bring up your screen here while you're doing that. I think the pen on a surface three would be the perfect. I mean, it's like one note. The surface three is like one note optimized. And um, and so I think that pen writing on that would just be dynamite.
2: So for me, uh, what I've been working off from is, you know, the tab over here is is my work. Can you pop personal. your resolution
0: up a little bit on that? Do you is that in a browser? No, you're in OneNote. Don't worry about it.
2: Yeah. So um, and then across the top, this is my notes, my itineraries, my projects, different things I'm working on, and then uh, off to the side is each individual note section. So fully searchable, fully you know functioning that way the other thing I have started doing a lot lately Jim is in in Windows Phone there's a app called Office Lens so this was from a meeting and this is a whiteboard and I sat back after the meeting was done and took a shot of the whiteboard with uh, my Windows Phone and it kind of crops it down to the whiteboard and plays around with the um, the contrast a bit to try and help uh, make it very clear but, you know, now it's basically locked in here in you know, in my OneNote, and, and uh, I, I found that to be a real positive with it as well. Plus, we're starting to do, as we talked about earlier in the show, um, do uh, SharePoint integration with OneNote. So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that will probably do away with one of my project tabs uh, as well.
0: Yeah. No, it works out great. It's a, just a sharp little tool that... Uh, if you haven't taken a look at it, uh, it's everywhere. I mean, it's just, you just could find it on a tablet. It's dynamite. On a phone, it's dynamite. I've One of the things I've done is I keep my to-do out there on it. And uh, so I've got that broken down by kind of office to-do and my personal to-do and then the honey-do list and, you know, those things, uh, which I probably should do more of the honey-do list. And um, and so I can just bring it up anywhere. I do struggle a little bit. I am a paper guy. When, I, when it comes to things to do, I am so, you know, if I go back to the seven habits, right? I was a big Franklin Covey guy, seven habits guy. I learned all that stuff. It is tough for me to break away from writing my to-dos down on paper. I just... And so I go back and forth. I'm like, ah, I put them in OneNote, and then I'm like, oh, I really need them on paper. I like to look at them. You know, I'm going to have to bring it up on my screen. So I'm going back and forth uh, with the to-dos. For all the podcast notes, with the exception of, so the average guy stuff, I'm still on Google Docs because that's where I started. Mm -hmm. But everything at Gallup is on OneNote. Um, So all my notes are there, all our stuff that we do, they're all embedded in OneNote. And it's uh, super easy to work with. John, have you um, you messed with OneNote very much in what you're doing?
1: No, no, no. Well, that was easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and I no, guess, and I no, I don't have no problems there. <laughs> well, I remember gotta, when it
1: first came out. Uh, what? Where was it? Where it was on some device? Was it on the tablet? Where it was like a circle, and you would have, you know, like you would set times, and they had sort of like a round circle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What yep. was it, What was that all about?
0: Well, that's the touch. That's the touch, um, let me, you're, I'm having trouble with your video. Um, that's weird. The, I can see on the small screen, but I couldn't see it. You were blank. Let's flip that over. You're blank on the big screen. That's kind of weird. I think your video's frozen, John. Can you like mute it and unmute it? Let's just see if we can get you back. There's um, there's uh, a, the wheel for kind of touch that comes up when you, um, on, like on tablets and stuff, depending upon the, I think it's really for like, uh, I forget which version that is, but it'll come up and allow you to do some things. And it's just it's it's kind of the touch first concept okay. uh, in OneNote. So yeah, it depends on which version you're using. But Microsoft's making that move right to get office on everything. And, uh, and so I think there's a great time if you're looking for a really good productivity app. OneNote bit might be the one to check out. All right, Kevin, anything else on that before we kind of bring this in for landing?
2: <laughs> no, like you say, I, I think the, the big thing from our point of view is it you know, OneNote's everywhere. So, yeah. you know, no matter what device you have, you can get to it, you can use it. Um works great
0: the, in the Microsoft ecosystem, right? I yeah. mean if you're in that already, it's very, very good in that system.
2: Yep. No, absolutely. So.
0: Okay. Well, cool. Well, I've got a few announcements, so if you're uh, if you're listening live or the recorded version, hang on. Let me get through these real quick. We'll do a little post-show tonight, and, and uh, you know, you don't get the post-show unless you come to the live show, so I'll remind you we do these live. Love to have you come out. Great list of guys tonight. Thanks for coming out. We're kind of back on the, you know, we had, uh, back in the spring and the winter, we had dipped down to five or six a show live, you know. It just, it was kind of, we I don't want to say struggling, but that's who was coming out. And I think we're 15 or so, I've got actually 19 listed in the chat. That's the most we've had in a while. So live listeners, you guys out there, I want to say thanks for coming out tonight. It's always great to have you out uh, and have watch the discussions go on in the chat. And of course, you can join us live. Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at the averageguy.tv slash live. I want to do say we have, uh, I got LastPass gave me an enterprise trial link now. So if you're interested in LastPass for the enterprise and you just want to try it out, it is an affiliate link, so it'll support the but you can go out to the averageguy.tv slash all one word, LastPass trial. Okay. Averageguy.tv slash LastPass trial. And that'll take you to a page and you can try the stuff and they've got a trial offer out there for you. It is enterprise, not the, not the, shoot, let's admit the consumer versions free, right? Just if you haven't tried it yet, go out and get the consumer version. You can do that on your desktop for free. If you start using the mobile apps or want to use some of the special features, it's a whole 12 bucks a year. Not terribly expensive if you want to try LastPass. So give that a try as well. Those guys have been super supportive of us, so I appreciate uh, LastPass and AmberGott and all they're doing out here. And and you can appreciate especially with this new vulnerability of uh, a gazillion passwords and, you you know, the Russians got everything now. And, uh, and so you might want to think about changing some passwords this weekend if you've got a lot of repetitive ones or if maybe the sites have been affected. By the way, LastPass knows most of the sites that have been affected by this. And they've updated their tool with with user or with uh, passwords, and I'm sorry, with um, email IDs. And so you can go out and see if any of your email accounts have shown up on affected lists in the past. So it's a good thing to do. It's absolutely free. Give those guys a try out at LastPass. We um, have a brand new newsletter. And Kevin and John, I know you're not on it, because I looked at all the names, and you guys did not get the cool guy newsletter that came out. It was a, you know first version of it. Went out to 15 of you who signed up to get it. My idea is I'll send you out a monthly update of all the things that are going on here. Maybe you missed some shows. Maybe you missed some links. There's all kinds of cool things going on in the community. Sometimes you just want one email to read to kind of get caught up on that. That'll come every month, uh, usually at the beginning of the month. Uh, If you go out and sign up for it, you go out to theaverageguy.tv and look for the link that says Subscribe for Cool Stuff, and that Cool Stuff will be a monthly email. Uh, at least at this point, newsletter for me and maybe some special tidbits as we have vendors that are doing stuff for us or want to give stuff away to you guys. We'll do that through the Coolio newsletter that we're doing. Get signed up for it. I won't spam you. It is a MailChimp account. And um, one thing, I'll send you one thing a month, so get signed up for that. Just give us give me your email address and you can manage it. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. You won't hurt my feelings. But uh, we got about 15 or 16 of you have done that. I'd love to jump that up, jump out there, to the average guy TV and get it done. I mentioned the meetup. God, I can't wait, Kevin. Can't wait. Meetup's <laughs> going to be good. Zadler, you need to win the lottery, dude, so we can just get you here uh, for the meetup. It would be great to have you down. Some way, someday, I'm going to figure out how to get you here for a meetup. But the meetup's coming up September 20th. I will be there live and uh, be DJing. I'm going to bring my DJ. No, not really. Just the speakers. And uh, we'll have a good time at the meetup. Still about 25 spots left, so we'd love to have you come out and get signed up. The link for that will be in the show notes. And uh, one reminder, we do ask the podcast uh Ask the Podcast Coach, Saturday mornings, 930 Central, 1030 Eastern at it askthepodcastcoach.com. If, it's not a great show if you're not a podcaster, so don't. Uh, I'm out there, Dave Jackson's out there. Mike Howard always joins in from time to time and uh, uh, in the chat out there, and if you want to know more about podcasting, we take live calls. That's kind of the cool thing about it is we take live calls from people who, and we've had some from this community call in to it. So if you're interested in podcasting, Join us Saturday mornings for that as well. That'll wrap it for the, the recorded version of The Average, or the average Guy of Home Catchy Geeks. And uh, we'll do a little bit of post show. Kevin and John, thanks for coming out tonight. I appreciate it.
2: You bet. Glad to be here.
0: For sure. Thanks, Jim. You bet. We are back here next Thursday night. Actually, a couple good things coming up uh, if you want to just, uh, if you're taking notes next week. All right, so next week we kind of have this, um, we have two podcasts in one day. This is going to kind of be cool. We're interviewing Social Bro, but they are in the UK, and so I'm going to interview them 7.30 a.m., It'll be live, but we're not you guys won't be available. Everybody in the United States will be sleeping. So 7:30 a.m. I'll have social bro. I'll do an early Thursday morning home gadget geeks with them. They're a Twitter tool. they they work with your Twitter accounts to help you optimize them. So if you're in social media and stuff, it's pretty cool. I thought it was cool. So they'll be on. And then in the uh, in the evening, I've got our ethical hacker John Nye coming back. And John's got some doing a presentation uh, at a conference. And he's going to kind of give us the highlights of the presentation right here on the program. So you don't even have to go to the conference. That'll save you from having to travel and a hotel and all that other stuff. So John Nye's coming back. Hopefully you remember him. N-Y-E, John Nye, like Bill Nye. And if you didn't see him the last time, head out and uh, listen to that before he comes in. Good guy. So next week, two podcasts, one day. We're going to get it done. It's going to be very cool. And uh, we'll put those out. I don't know how I'm going to do that yet. I might put them out separate or together. We'll have to get that figured out. But next Thursday night, John Nye and then the 21st Zapier, the guys at Zapier. Oh, Kevin, you were talking about automation with If This Then That. That is not your only automation tools. Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R.com, is another one of those up and coming automation sites. And so if you're looking at this stuff, I don't know, Kevin, you should check that out and let me know if they have the same connections to the devices that If This Then That has. Sure. Um, they're They're both competing, they're adding, I get emails from them every other day, we've added these new connection points, you know, you can do this and 17 things with that and they're both, it's like a race, it's like an arms race to see who's going to get the most connections available out there. If you know of any other automation sites, I'd be interested. This is one of those things that I'm finding kind of interesting now is, is the Internet of Things Automation. And so getting automated tasks going. Zapier will be on and we'll talk to them about that as well. Gordon's coming back. We got Nathaniel Lindley coming back on the program. Kyle Wilcox is coming back on. So we've got all kinds of guys. And now uh, Keith Lunsford will be on here shooting for. I haven't gotten a confirmation from him yet. He's going to bring in his copter, and we're going to talk about that as well as well as maybe some good Colorado beer. So all those things are coming up uh, here on uh, Home Gadget Geeks over the next month or so. And we're glad that you're listening. Be back next Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, TV slash live. Good night.